0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Conversations with the Co-op. This is where we source questions from the NX Co-op community to gain insights from today's leaders in crypto. I'm your host, Crypto Texan, and today we have Cooper Turley with us from Audius. Cooper, thanks for being here with us today.
1: Pleasure to be here, man.
0: Hey, so uh, first things first, who is Cooper Turley? What's your story and how did you get into crypto? That's a great
1: question. It's one that I'm trying to figure out every single day. You know, I'll do my best to answer it, but I think I'm going to need another 20 years to really get to the source of that. You know, I'd say um, I've spent my whole life trying to help creative people unlock their potential using new technology. I'm really, really big into curation. that happened for a very long time. You know, I started early on in my career collecting Pokemon cards and then selling them on eBay. Into college, I got really into music discovery, so helping to break artists on platforms like SoundCloud and, um, you know, to a little music business and whatnot. And then I realized, you know, Music's a really cool industry. I like it a lot, but there's not a lot of financial upside here, and so I'm going to go do something a little bit more creative in nature. You know, fell down this crypto rabbit hole when I heard about this thing called smart contracts and the ability to help expedite royalty payments for musicians. From there, that was right when I graduated college. I was basically looking for something to do, but knowing I was never going to go down the 9-to-5 path, and so just got really deep into the whole 2017 bull market, started working for a lot of really terrible projects, just helping to figure out, you know, how do I get them off the ground? How do we do things like ICOs? How do we build community? And then spent the next two to three years really just traveling the world, going to Ethereum conferences and trying to meet people that um, yeah, really got it. I think when I found out about DAOs and DeFi in 2018, 2019, I saw this class of people that were in it for a very organic reason. You know, People were building really meaningful projects and all that speculative nature that came with the 2017 baggage kind of got left at the doorstep. And so after spending some time in DeFi, writing for a couple of DeFi blogs like DeFi Rate, Defiant, Bankless, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I kind of recognized that my passion was always going to be in the more creative work. You know, as I mentioned with music and some things like that. And so I started to really dive down on the creator economy. And to me, this encompasses everything from NFTs to social tokens to DAOs, really just giving creators tools and you know ways to go about unlocking their financial freedom so that their fans can support them and everyone can work together. And these days, what I do is I help stand up. Communities, you know, more or less full-time DAOs now, working across a bunch of really, really incredible projects. Just doing what I can to help, you know, spread the word about why DAOs in particular are so amazing, and then more specifically, helping to stand up decentralized organizations, getting people hired in the right place, you know, running the whole show on the governance side of things, and uh, doing whatever I can to keep the lights on, man. It's an exciting time to be alive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And another thing I meant to I meant to say was, you know, the name of this podcast or live recording is called Conversations with the Coop. And uh, it's kind of a double entendre this time around because you know it's the conversation with the Index Coop, but it's also uh, conversation with Cooper Turley. So it's kind of funny how destiny or fate just works out like that. Do people call you Coop ever? Absolutely. I've
1: always had a soft spot for this project because of that exact uh, phrasing. I mean, I remember when this when this launched. You know, when Set Protocol talked about having a spin-off called Index Co-op, and like coming in and seeing the community and just. I've been a huge fan of everything that you guys have been building from the from the organizational standpoint. I think specifically within DeFi, a lot of people like this project is one of the most organic community-run DAOs in the space. And so, you know, I've been silently watching from the sidelines. I'm a huge index holder myself,
0: and I'm really really excited about what you guys have been building here. Well, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it, uh, Cooper. And by the way, our mascot, our unofficial mascot or the unofficial name, uh, is Cooper. By the way, too. So, just um. another fun fact. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you touched on the creator economy one of our questions was you know how would you cooper describe the creator economy um you kind of touched on that already but what does blockchain bring to the table in regards to the creator economy in the sense of liberating artists or uh, giving more power to content creators how would you describe that
1: Great question. I'll actually answer both of those. I would say to me, the creator economy is a way for creators to better create self sustaining micro economies. And I would say that the blockchain and smart contracts in particular offer the economic tools to allow you to do that. You know, in a previous world, we started to see platforms like OnlyFans, like Patreon, and ways in which fans can support the creators that they know and love. But unfortunately, that's always very one sided and it's always very trust based. You know, it's usually a relationship directly with that one individual. They have a lot of the Ah, uh, potential to either make or break that relationship. But what you see now with some of these more community-based models is that those relationships are a two-way street. As you contribute value to a creator or a community that you love, there's now ways to capture that financial upside. So when I think about the creator economy, I think about a new asset class, you know, namely in the form of fungible tokens and non-fungible tokens to help ascribe and earn value. And then I think about you know community-building organization, something like having a community treasury to go out and hire active community members to get paid to work on the community that they love. That's a very new notion to me. And I think what we're going to see in the next three to five years here is every major creator is going to be functioning as a small business. They're going to have a team around them that resembles a startup. But under the hood, it's going to be based under something that's much more akin to social capital and identity. And when you start to give people something to work on that they really, really love and really, you know, spend their time contributing to outside of their their nine to five, I think you're going to see some really powerful equations where a lot of these creator economies are going to be exponentially bigger than what they are today.
0: Yeah, I love that term you used too, the self-sustaining micro-economy. Because when it comes down to it, that's really what a majority of these DAOs are. And it's a real opportunity for these artists to kind of capture more of their fan base in a way that they couldn't before. And Audius, uh, who you work with, is doing that on their own. So can you describe what is Audius and maybe even touch on like how is Audius going to disrupt the music industry as it stands today?
1: Sure. So Audius is a decentralized streaming platform. The way I like to describe this is SoundCloud was a platform that made or broke a bunch of really incredible artists in 2013, 2015. This was the the era that I kind of came up listening to music. I saw a ton of DJs make a career on the back of it, but unfortunately when that became sort of known as the platform to break electronic artists, you know, those same artists were not able to capture any of that upside in the form of ownership or in the form of, you know, capital. And so with Audius, what we're doing is we're recreating the way in which, you build artist to fan relationships, first and foremost, using the tools that I mentioned before. But then secondly, making sure that a platform is really owned by the people who create the value for it. And so what we've built is a decentralized platform where all of the content lives on IPFS. Fans have access to all of their data. We give them better tools to better connect with their fans through things like NFTs. And over time, I think what you're going to see is Audius is kind of the home for any independent artist who wants to start building a real community to sort of kickstart that flywheel really tap into a lot of the ethos and the tools that we're all familiar with in crypto but to a much more generalized audience. So for those who have never heard of crypto before, when you sign up to Audius, you sign up with email and a password. You get a wallet under the hood, but that's not required to be able to get started. Instead, what you have is an experience where you can go ahead and just find incredible music, stream the music you know and love. And as you want to get deeper into any specific artist project, we're creating tools to allow you to foster that relationship and build communities such as this one so that you can have a super fan community of people who are able
0: to support you in everything that you do. Right, and you said that when people sign up, they have a ETH wallet under the hood. Uh, is it that Audius has its own wallet software? I think, it, is it called Hedgehog? And why did, why did you choose to, I guess, create your own wallet software to integrate that?
1: Yeah, it's called Hedgehog. Um, I obviously don't want to try and speak for our Chief Product Officer on the decision here, but my understanding and one that I agree with is that the current solutions for uh, email-based wallets were not sufficient for what we really wanted to build. You know, we have some custom bespoke features in it, such as only being able to have audio displayed on the front end. You know, it is an Ethereum wallet under the hood, but we don't want people to have to go through private key management and whatnot. And so we sort of abstract a lot of the weird parts of having to set up a crypto wallet in favor of five minutes or less, sign up with an email or password, have an account, you know, press one button and be able to receive tokens. But what that's different from something like a, a Taurus or some of these other mobile wallets or a Magic Link, is that there's no like email based sign in activation it's the exact same as logging into your facebook or instagram except this time you have the capacity under the hood to be able to do really cool shit. and i guess the, the last one i'll call out is um we're big fans of microtransactions or meta transactions excuse me and i don't think that people should have to need to have ether to be able to use a crypto wallet and so what we've been doing is subsidizing any transactions that happen within the app so enable you sending tokens around to be able to facilitate some of those cool crypto experiences like receiving tokens sending tokens but without you having to have ether to get started which in our opinion is a really really big you know positive when it comes to onboarding like millions and millions of users
0: yeah interesting do, do you subsidize that with audius or audio tokens or how does that work exactly
1: no we just subsidize it with eth from the treasury i mean um luckily there's not a ton of transactions going on on day to day for audius from like a token standpoint you know everything that's happening is more sort of data that's displayed on chain when you play music when you follow someone on your profile and whatnot. And uh, we're currently working on migrating to Solana for some of the stuff on the more microtransaction side of things, specifically for that reason, you know, as we enable more economic tools and ways for artists to pay one another or you to stream a song for a fraction of a cent, you know, clearly, there's going to be some technical needs required there. And so we're looking at a multi chain system where we have audience front end, you know, storing a lot of that data on Solana to make it cheaper and faster. But then when it comes to securing the network through things like staking and delegation, you know, that's always going to live on Ethereum mainnet in a way that we believe you know, really holds true to kind of the Ethereum network and sort of the ethos that I think a lot of us in here are aligned with from day one.
0: Wow, interesting. Yeah, so you mentioned using Solana, which is just a separate smart contract blockchain. Do you have any L2 plans like Arbitrum, Optimism, anything like that? So
1: we're currently on a POA network for a lot of the interactions that happen on the day-to-day on Audius, but um, we're using about 95% of that network on any given day. And so when we started thinking about ways to handle the incoming bandwidth that we had, you know, Solana looked like a great platform for us to be able to do what we needed to do on like a much larger scale. I think on our end, you know, we're moving so fast that unfortunately there's a lot of growing pains that need to happen with Arbitrum and Optimism. And so I think that the executives at Audius kind of made the decision that we see something that's working today you know we're able to put a lot of development resources into getting this right so we're going to build there i believe that if it makes sense to integrate other layer twos that's fantastic but i think audience is a fundamentally different project than a lot of other DeFi protocols in the sense that composability is is a little bit less important because it's a different vertical and a different sort of angle that we're tackling and so for us i think we're really optimizing for end user experience you know not having to pay transaction fees not having to know that you use crypto and i think with that comes a specific set of uh, appeal to something like Solana that we're, we're figuring out and I think is going to be really fun to see in the wild.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and your role at Audius is crypto strategy. Uh, what does that mean uh, for Audius? How do, how do you uh, just, just go about doing that role?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So I see a
0: lot of stuff in the, the wider crypto
1: ecosystem. I mean, I'm a member of probably 15 DAOs myself and you know, very deep down the NFT rabbit hole, very deep down the social token rabbit hole. And so my role at audios is basically looking across the wider crypto ecosystem and saying hey what is happening here that's valuable and how do we build this into the platform in a meaningful way so i was very involved with the uh, audio token launch to help set up that airdrop just get the token out into the world just something i'm really passionate about and then um more recently i've helped with things like our nft feature things like our different tiers for membership in the the app itself and then more broadly just thinking about cool things like staking games and delegation you know curation on artist profile Things like monetization. And as you look over a longer time horizon, you know, any project that allows us to utilize crypto economic tools to better empower artists and creators, if it falls into the Web3 bucket of like crypto use cases for Audius, chances are I've had a pretty big role in kind of speccing out what that is and being able to help strategize on how we get that implemented.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. So do you all have any plans to uh, integrate social tokens on the Audius platform for artists or um, e- even issuing NFT drops for specific artists?
1: Short answer is not right now. I mean, this is something that we talk about a lot. And I think it comes back to that initial point I made that, you know, we have about 5.5 million users using Audius every month. I would say that 95% of them have never touched MetaMask. They've never touched a token before. And so for us, we're very intentional about what we open the kimono to, as far as what people can use. We've had a lot of conversation about integrating social tokens, a lot of conversation about how we integrate NFTs. I think for right now, what we wanna do is really focus on getting amazing content up there and allowing artists to really develop uh, an artist brand first and foremost. And I think over time, we wanna see how these ecosystems spin up a little bit more so that it's uh, much easier for us to decide whether or not we need to be an issuer of these assets or if we can just be composable with other platforms that are facilitating that and help to make sure that we don't have to reinvent the wheel to support something that's already being you know, fully
0: incubated from another project. Okay, yeah, and Audius has grown pretty significantly over the past year with this recent bull run. uh, I think y'all had about about a million users at the beginning of this year. And now, like you just said, you're at 5.5 million users. I mean, how do you attribute that kind of growth? Like, what was the driver of that growth, do you think, in your mind? I
1: think that a lot of artists are just looking for something new,
0: you know, in the age of like Spotify and Apple Music and all these other
1: platforms. You know, I love the fact that I can pay $10 per month and listen to any song in the world. But for a lot of artists, that's really fucked up. And so I think that people are looking for a new way to discover up and coming talent that feels very organic to them. You know, as I said earlier in my intro, I used to live on SoundCloud, scouring the charts, trying to find new music, you know, really trying to find who's next. And unfortunately, I think with the world we've gotten into, we've really fallen away from that. You know, instead, you have kind of the same artists that you've been listening to a lot. You have your release radar. You know, you have the top charts, New Music Friday. But um, what I see, Audius as a place to actually discover very creative talent, you know, artists that are willing to push the cutting edge of technology, artists that are willing to experiment with crypto. And so you're starting to notice that a lot of the acts that are becoming big on, on Audius actually don't have huge followings on other platforms. They're instead really leaning into this sort of Web3 nature. They're making NFTs. They're in Discord such as this one. You know, they're doing writing camps together. They're on Mirror doing crowdfunds. And as you start to like unpack what's going on there, I think you start to notice that Audius is a platform for you to find your super fans and to really engage them. And so what I'm really excited about is a future in which I can go to Audius, I can find an artist very early on, and we can give you the economic tools to be able to stake to that artist's career. And as they do well on the platform, you're able to share in that upside. Yeah, Whether that's social tokens or NFTs or some combination of like a delegated staking game, I think that's still TBD, but it's very evident to me that... Audius is built fundamentally on different technology from the platforms that exist today. And as people start to recognize that that technology is better for them over a longer time horizon, you start to notice that a lot of artists are coming back, uploading a lot more music and bringing their fans with them to help it succeed.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I haven't really thought about it too much like that, but Spotify, yeah, same here. I love paying $10 a month and being able to listen to basically any song that I want to, so it's great for the consumer. But for the artist, uh, not so much, because they're getting paid like .0001 cent per play, and I I just don't think that's feasible, especially if they want to make a career out of it. But I feel like this new partnership with TikTok, which congratulations, huge news, incredible, uh, I think it validates not only what Audius is doing, but that there's actually a there there in the crypto space outside of just, you know, farming food tokens and things like that. But... On the subject of TikTok, how did this partnership come about? And how long has this partnership with TikTok been in the works?
1: First of all, I will say that I I love the food coins. You know, (laughs) we got to pay respect to the food coins. I don't think I'd be where I was today if it wasn't for for DeFi summer. But I would say that, um, you know, on the TikTok side of things, it's been a long time coming. You know, it's obviously something that TikTok has thought a lot about, how powerful they are with their sounds and sort of the ability to discover new music. But what we saw as a gap is the fact that in order to get Onto TikTok sounds, as an official artist, you need to go through a distributor. And while this is kind of commonplace in music, um, for those who aren't aware, when you're uploading a song to Spotify or Apple Music, there's no button to go onto your profile on Spotify and click upload. You have to go through a third-party service like TuneCore, DistroKid, sign up for an account, pay for an annual membership, upload a song that's ingested to the platform over like two to three weeks, basically, you know, if you're doing it by a proper rollout standard. And we just saw this as something that didn't make sense. You know, TikTok was a place where people were discovering really cool mashups, they're discovering new sound bites. they're discovering more unconventional music. And so when we saw our platform as the ability to sign up in five minutes, upload a song and immediately have that on the platform, I think that TikTok recognized it was much more empowering to independent artists and specifically the type of creators that have been making a name on TikTok. You know, and if I'm looking around the corner of why TikTok found this interesting, um, they're very excited about the potential of tokenization. I know they've been doing a lot of research on NFTs. I know they've been thinking a lot about the influence they hold and the ways that they can empower creators. And so when you think about something like Audius, it's a way for them to dip their toes into crypto and Web3 without going super deep down that rabbit hole. And behind the scenes, I mean, it really benefits both parties. For Audius, we have an amazing tool to allow creators to upload content faster and get it on platform, you know, in a day's time or less. And for TikTok, they get a chance to have a million new sounds on the platform, have a nice on-ramp into the Web3 world and start doing things that I think uh, we're all really excited about over the next couple months here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so. On the Audius platform with that connection to TikTok, how did the artists opt in to putting their content on TikTok?
1: So there's a way for them to just directly integrate a sound onto TikTok. So in the same way that you would share an Instagram story from a Spotify track that you're listening to, there's an integration that allows you to upload your Audius track directly to TikTok as a sound. That basically creates it as a part of a sound library, and people can then go and choose to use that sound in their videos.
0: Okay, and so is this mainly for, uh, from a TikTok user standpoint, is this mainly for consumer retail, uh, where, you know, like I could upload a song to my, you know, just consumer TikTok video, or can commercial clients also take advantage of the Audius platform? I mean, anyone and everyone, you know, the way that
1: TikTok works is there's an endless number of sounds in an endless library. Um, You start to see that some go more viral than anyone, but I would say, yeah, if there's a sound that exists on TikTok, whether you are an individual creator or you are a brand, you know there's an opportunity for you to be able to, to utilize that sound. And What we want to do is just get more more tracks heard. You know, the thing that I'll call out back to the question of why TikTok liked this is when you think about a platform like Spotify, they're directly incentivized to have you play that track on Spotify. You know, their monetization happens when that stream happens in app. And so, if a creator is taking their stuff to TikTok and people are listening to the music on TikTok, Spotify is not getting any money from that. The way the audience views that is we're not we're not worried about getting paid per stream on audience today. We just want to give you as a creator more exposure to build a deeper community. And if we can give you an opportunity to have that music played on TikTok, it doesn't matter if it's stored on audience. You know, to us, that's kind of more of a subtle under the hood feature that just happens to be there. But for the creators, it allows you to get out there. It allows you to listen to new songs. And it gives TikTok users the power to discover new music that they wouldn't otherwise hear, specifically because of that reason that distributors are a very metal process. And for a lot of these new creators, You know, them going on Audios, uploading a mashup they made overnight and having it on TikTok in 20 minutes, you know, it's an incredibly powerful flywheel that I think is going to truthfully make or break a lot of artists' career over like a three to five year time horizon here.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense. And I've got a really good friend who works at TikTok as well, and they are stoked about this partnership um, from all different levels. I mean, from, I think an issue with advertisers is they want to use viral sounds and songs in their advertisements. But we're stuck in this legacy system where they have to pay these legacy prices where, you know, typically you would run an ad for months at a time. So they're having to pay those types of prices for an ad that really, when something goes viral, it's it's relevant for maybe a week or two. Uh, and then the ability of an artist just to upload their song to TikTok with one click. And I mean, hell, maybe it'll go viral and, and they can make a career out of their passion. I, I can see how this partnership is just very empowering for Audius and for uh, the creators in general. Um, So, anyway, let's talk about audio, which is the native token for Audius. What are the current use cases for the audio token? Uh, And are there ways to earn the audio token on the platform? If so, what are those ways?
1: Yeah. So the audio platform token is used for three things, mainly security, feature access, and governance. So on the security side of things, all node operators stake audio to be able to host content and discovery nodes. which means that all of the tracks and all of the data that you see on the platform, everything from the songs that you upload to all of the people that you follow on Audius, all of this is being stored on IPFS. And so what we have built is a staking system where validators stake uh, a minimum of 200k audio to be able to run a node. And as a user that holds audio, you can delegate stake to them and earn issuance from the network. You know, right now the staking is at about 25% APY, It's single sided with no risk of impermanent permanent loss. And you can stake at a dashboard.audius.co. And this is basically just a way to help secure all the content that currently lives on the platform and on the protocol. The second is feature access. So the more audio tokens that you hold, the higher badge level you get on audius.co, which unlocks different features for you in the platform. You know, the most obvious example of this is our NFT feature. So in order to be able to display NFTs on your profile, you need to hold hundred audio tokens. You know, what I see happening is a world similar social tokens, where the more audio you hold on the platform, the higher badge level you get, and the more feature access you have in return. You know, I think this is really important because for anyone who's been on SoundCloud, if you can look at the comments today, it's terrible. You know, there's bots in there, there's a bunch of like soliciting emails, just terrible stuff. And so, what I imagine happening in the future is small things like hold five audio to be able to comment on a track, you know, hold hundred to be able to DM other people on the platform. And as we start to build out more ways for artists and fan relationships to be developed you know, audio is kind of that main source of glue to be able to hold that all together. The last one is governance. I mean, I don't have to tell you guys about governance because everyone here is extremely well-versed in it. Um, we recently set up an audio grants program to allow artists to get paid. That came out of a community treasury. We have, you know, noted upgrades and feature protocol upgrades that are happening every week. And so that goes through an on-chain governance process that's Go- a fork of Compound's Bravo contracts. And so those three things combined are kind of the, uh, the primary way that audio is used in the, the platform. And as far as earning the token, I mentioned staking and delegation so if you're participating in that part of the system you're earning issuance and then if you're an artist on audios.co we have three competitions that we run every month so we have a trending tracks playlist a trending playlist play, trending playlist uh competition and then we have a trending underground playlist and what this means is, if you have a top five track playlist or up-and-coming track you're going to have the chance to win 200 audio every week and what we're currently working on now with this migration to solana is a way to earn audio more seamlessly so things like refer a friend, earn a couple audio, um, really just kick-starting that flywheel. You know, I think uh, as someone really deep into tokenomics, I'm not going to sit here and say that rewarding people with tokens is the most innovative token use case ever. But I do think in the conception of how we're doing it and incentivizing musicians to better share with their friends, you know, getting popular plays on the platform, building a fan base and referring new artists, I think that it's a fundamentally new incentive system that specifically for our demographic is extremely, extremely enticing when it comes to out of this viral growth cycle that we're going
0: through right now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, I think in crypto right now, or hi- even just historically, and it's been pretty heavy tech and finance. But now we're starting to get artists and creators into the space. Uh, you know, with NFTs and even blockchain gaming and protocols like Audius. How else can we bridge the gap to onboard more creators or more people? into the crypto space you know i try
1: and answer this question every day my thesis is that the more we can give them tools that empower their current skill sets the easier it's going to be for them to get started i think my biggest realization has been that for 99 of people they're onboarding into crypto is what token should i buy and is it going to make me money if we can start focusing on ways that they can use their skill sets to start earning tokens i think it's a very different conversation and so the reason why i'm so excited about nfts is a lot of my creator friends here in la you know i can send them an invite to a platform like foundation They can upload some of their work, and then they can sell that for ETH, and they're already deep down the rabbit hole without them ever having to put in a dollar of their own money. And so I think a lot about sort of onboarding flows, you know, the intent in which we're onboarding people. I think a lot about education. So how sophisticated of a user do you have to be to get started? Then I think about personal interests. You know, I think for me, culture is kind of an area that anyone can relate to. And what we're seeing now with the creator economy is there's more ways to support and get involved with creators that you already know and love. And I think that leap of faith to trusting a creator you know, to getting involved in a Discord, to earning some tokens from being a community member feels much better to me than saying, hey, um, buy this weird internet token called Ether, go on to a decentralized exchange like Uniswap and buy some other internet token. It's Like, no, just go ahead and upload the work that you already know and love to a platform. Allow people who are deep in this to support you and then be able to become more intimate part of the community over time.
0: Yeah, and I guess in your experience, which artists do you see... Uh, doing the or getting involved in the NFT and, and creator economy space, like who's doing it right and who's really getting involved? Like, I think we've seen Weezer, Kings of Leon, Blau, obviously. Um, yeah, what are some good examples to lead by?
1: It's a
0: good question. I
1: think that across the board, there's probably less than 50 musicians in the world that are doing it, quote unquote, well right now. I think that certain ones have figured out how to sell NFTs, which is a good starting point. But I think over a longer time horizon. You know, I'm still looking for people to really experiment with ownership, to really experiment, you know, with community development in a really meaningful way. Um, I collect a lot of creator coins on a platform called Rally. So there's a DJ named Wookiee that I think's doing a really cool job now. Um, an artist named Jack J that I like a lot who's poking around with this. I would say that there's a project called Song Camp that's really, really exciting to me. This is basically a decentralized creative of artist of which there's some people in the crowd that I know are a part of. Um, and it really inspires me to allow people to come together on a Discord server, write together and then earn ETH from the, the value that they create. And so they use a platform called Mira to crowdfund the whole project. They've been selling limited edition works on that platform as NFTs, and uh, the response has been incredible. You know, I think we're still extremely early on in terms of who's actually using this technology, but in my mind, I would say it's artists who are poking around with social tokens, artists who are playing with NFT ownership on a deeper level, and then more broadly, these artists who are just building really meaningful Discord servers and thinking about the ways in which they can empower their community through things like social tokens, NFTs, and sort of compensation for active contributors.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So one more question about Audius, and then we'll start getting into some of the other topics here. Uh, How does Audius drive revenue to its protocol's treasury? Like we we understand how Spotify does it, you pay a monthly fee, and the artist gets next to nothing, Uh, but how does Audius do that?
1: So I'm going to say that this is a huge, huge topic that we're still figuring out. There is no monetization enabled on Audius today. You know, what I hope in the future is that every time that you play a song on Audius, there'll be the option to pay a microtransaction amount to the artist directly. Um, The way that we think about this is that a very small percentage of that would go into the community treasury. But more broadly, you know, we just want to create economic tools that allow creators to better engage with their fans. If this is getting paid directly for every time you stream a track, if it's by buying a a monthly membership pass or a season pass, you know, I think these are still a lot of areas that we want to figure out. But I can confidently say that right now we're not worried about turning on the monetization flywheel. Yeah, we want to focus on getting as many people on board as possible, giving them the tools that they need to build deeper relationships with their fans. And then I think over time, you know, once you see those super communities living on Audius, it's going to be very easy to turn the, that switch on and to drive revenue back to the community treasury.
0: Okay. Um, so let's, let's move into DAOs a little bit more. Um, in particular... Friends with Benefits, Pleaser Dow, Seed Club, you're in about, you said 15 plus Dow's. I think someone in our chat earlier said, you know, Cooper's in 70 plus Dow's. How do you prioritize? Well, first of all, how many Dow's are you really involved in? Uh, How do you prioritize your time between those? And um, any Dow's in particular you just want to shill right now?
1: I don't know how many DAOs I'm in. You know, I try not to actively keep count. I think that there's a varied spectrum from, you know, having tokens and being into Discord and, you know, from time to time voting yes on Snapshot to like being an active operator of a DAO that's really moving the ball forward on a day-to-day basis. If I had to guess somewhere in the ballpark of like 15 to 20, but I think that that changes so actively and there's now so many DAOs popping up every day that my intent is to solely just see everything, you know, and kind of be able to help stand them up in a meaningful way, help them kind of get off the ground and then over a longer time horizon, just be a token holder and a valuable governance participant. You know, I think if you hold a minimal amount of governance tokens and you go and check the snapshot once a week, you know, you're a valuable DAO member, in my opinion, you're informed on what's going on. And so the range of activity varies, but I would say to answer that first question, probably somewhere between 15 to 20. uh, To your conversation about prioritization, um, I love creator economy. I feel like I made this very clear in this conversation. And so social clubs are particularly fascinating to me. Friends with benefits to me is one that started as the ultimate cultural membership we're now evolving into what I call a digital city. We have um, about 100 people contributing to the project in some way, shape, or form. And so that's naturally taken a lot of my interest recently. Um, we're currently undergoing a fundraiser. We're raising $10 million to better build out our community. And so there's a lot of exciting stuff that's happening at Friends with Benefits specifically that I'm really inspired by. But more broadly, I would say social clubs and anything that allows you to place the financial value on culture and the ability to trade social capital, you know that's something that's extremely exciting to me. And so uh, I'll kind of break down, you know, Friends with Benefits into more of a social club type dynamic. Seed club and forefront, I think, fall into this bucket. And on the NFT side, there are a lot of collector DAOs like Pleaser DAO and fingerprints, which allow me to have exposure and be involved with the really, really niche asset classes in a way that doesn't require me to go spend, you know, 500 Ether to acquire the works. Instead, we can kind of collect these things together. And then I have a thesis on how we expand the likeness of them with everyone being kind of a partial owner and everything that's going on.
0: Yeah, Interesting. So... What is your views on what's your view on DAOs just very broadly like do you believe that DAOs maybe one day could replace traditional organizations and what advantages do traditional organizations have over DAOs and vice versa in your opinion.
1: Yeah, I think that DAOs are the new LLCs. I think in five years, you know, the term DAO is going to be less of a buzzword and more just of a commonality. Like when you start a company, you don't say you're making an LLC; you just say that you have a company. So I think that that's going to be what happens with internet-native businesses. Um, I think that right now, traditional companies have a much more structured way of getting started. So it's very obvious how to set up an LLC. It's very obvious how to get incorporated. With DAOs, it's a lot more yellow than that. You know, you can have. 100 people in a Discord with millions of dollars at your disposal without ever having touched something like LegalZoom. And so I think one thing that I'm starting to appreciate about traditional companies is there's much more tried and true path to be followed. Um, hierarchy does have benefits in terms of role responsibility, delineation of, you know, kind of key orders and who's making the shots. But I think what's cool about DAOs is the fact that we've never really seen these cooperative models work at scale. So we have a lot more interesting design space to poke around with. You know, the fact that at we have no CEO, we have a hundred contributors, we have different team leads, you know, it's a fundamentally different paradigm. But what I'd say that that does is it gives everyone a sense of ownership or responsibility of that community. So while everyone has tokens, you know, I think the fact that people need to um, work to earn the social capital in that group, it it creates this really strong flywheel where you don't think that you're working for something. You almost think of it more as like fun or for play, but what you're doing is building and shipping products that are that are really incredible. I think this notion of allowing you to work on the things that you love is something that only crypto and more specifically DAOs enable. And so a big reason why I've been spending so much time in this sector is it's very early on in terms of getting people employed to work for DAOs, but I believe if we can crack the code on making on-ramps to joining and contributing to a DAO and earning financial capital from that a lot easier, I think that we're going to start to notice this giant migration where people are leaving, you know, their 9 to 5 jobs and they're leaving their trad corp jobs to come work for internet communities, because it's genuinely just so much more fun, and I think they'll quickly see that the financial opportunities are equal, if not greater, than what they were working on before.
0: Yeah. Where, where do you think, from an operational standpoint, DAOs are falling short? Uh, I, we can talk about governance later, I feel like that's a whole, you know, DAO governance is a completely different topic. but. From not, like what is the next unlock for DAO tooling? Like I feel like when snapshot I, Snapshot is huge, um, it's still on governance, but I, I, that's very helpful. And then, I mean, just using Discord, I, we saw Discord come out on Twitter not that long ago and say, "What can we implement to better serve DAOs?" Like, where is the gap there, and and what do you think could be next for DAO tooling?
1: From a higher level, I would say just more operational tools. So ways to get people paid, ways to better keep track of what's happening, ways to better aggregate information from a governance standpoint to relay that to the community. You know, just ways to keep people involved and to better track what's happening on a day-to-day I think are really interesting. Um, I'm really excited about a platform called Parcel. This is a way to better do operations on top of Nose Safe Multisigs. I'm really excited about Coordinate and the ability to pay contributor circles using, you know, a cool fundamental tool platform that they set up. Um, but I think more broadly, you know, things around operations from a from a payroll perspective and then from a legal perspective. You know, right now, we're entertaining conversations on how to stand up an entity for FWB. And what you see is that we're going through very traditional rails in terms of saying, is this an LLC or is this a C-Corp? In reality, it's neither of those. You know, it's a completely new fundamental paradigm shift. And I think right now we're adapting to existing legal structures to try and meet that fold. What I'm really excited about is the world in which Dowser recognizes their own legal entity and there are ways and uh processes in place that i don't have to go spend fifty thousand dollars at a established law firm to feel like i'm not going to go to jail because i'm trading tokens with my friends and so that's something that i think is still being set up i would say on the discord side you know right now it's all very third party integrated you know things like collab lane are fantastic but that's all happening off platform what i'm really looking forward to is having uh, web3 integrations live natively in platforms like this so that i can connect my metamask i can sync my roles and my nfts and not have to worry about a third party provider, you know, kind of custodying all of that data. And so I think over a longer time horizon, we're going to start to see that Discord will enable these things. And I think it's more just a matter of how deep they go down that rabbit hole to decide whether or not they want things like governance to happen on platform or if they want that to happen off
0: platform on somewhere like Snapshot. Yeah. Okay. And you said that you are looking at, with, I think you said Friends of Benefits, looking at, you know, more traditional rails. You know, are you an LLC? Are you a C Corp? I think the state of Wyoming. Uh, came out with legal recognition for a DAO. Did y'all look into that at all?
1: Yeah, we did. And I want to give a quick shout out to Aaron Wright um, from the LAO. He helped co-instrument that proposal and I think it's fantastic. I think that the reality is DAOs live on a very big spectrum. You know, Wyoming LLCs in particular are geared more towards investment clubs, so particularly having um, 100 members or less, all of which are in credit investors who are investing capital together for profit. I think that that's a fundamentally different model from a social club like Friends with Benefits, and so while it's a great precedent in that direction, I'm not sure it's the one that we'll be using in particular, but for investment clubs, I think it's a fantastic start, and um, it's just a signal to me that over the next year or two, we're going to see a lot more legal precedent in this space and as
0: a whole. Yeah, it's very exciting. It's, it's good to see politics move in that direction as opposed to politics moving in the direction of what happened with the infrastructure bill. Um, do you have any opinions on that?
1: no real opinions i mean if i'm being honest i'm so deep down sort of just yoloing all this crypto culture stuff that i don't really um stay up on a day-to-day with a lot of the legal stuff that's happening and maybe that's a bad answer but i guess i live in a world where i don't think that you know the the, the industries that be are able to keep up with the space in the way that it moves and how fast it moves and so for me i just run cool online experiments with people that are doing really amazing stuff you know chances are we're going into uncharted territory a lot of times but I don't try and really wait up for things i kind of go fast and try and make the the precedent itself so there are a lot of really incredible people that are dedicating their whole lives to figuring out that side on infrastructure and um i feel really powered by their creative ability to help get something sorted there and i feel like when uh when there are updates that need to be read about i just go to jake travinsky's twitter he normally shares a pretty good thread on it and that's kind of my daily digest on how to keep up with that whole sector
0: yeah absolutely yeah also say yeah Jake does a great job on Twitter. Also, Ryan Selkis has been pretty involved lately, and that's also worth checking out. Um, All right, let's move to NFTs. Uh, NFTs are hot right now. Uh, What are some of your favorite NFT projects out there? And what, what projects, you know, do you have any PFPs that you own?
1: Yeah, I got some PFPs. I got a one punk that I got in 2018 that I've just been sitting on and probably will never sell it ever. Have one ape that I got pretty early on that I'll never sell ever. Um, good amount of PFPs here and there. I'd say that I'm really excited about Art Blocks right now. You know, for those who haven't heard of it, this is the kind of the premier generative art platform. I've got a squiggle. I've got some Fermentis. Don't have a Fidenza, unfortunately, but um, it's been really fascinating to watch the community that develops there. I'm really excited about an NFT project called Solvency. This is a WebGL generative generative art project by a guy named Ezra, who's a member of the FWB community. And um, it's just incredible. You know, I've been collecting a lot of those. Um, I own a ton of music NFTs. You know, this is kind of an unconventional answer, but I really love supporting my fellow musician friends who get into NFTs. So on the first front, if they upload a song to Catalog or if they upload something to Foundation, chances are I will be the first collector of it. And I've I've now actually amassed about six uh, VIP for life passes by collecting prominent artists' first NFTs. And so that's kind of one that i'm excited about from uh from a longer time horizon um outside of that you know i collect a lot of stuff on mirror and so mirror is a platform to crowdfund creative work you know now what we're seeing is people are selling nfts to be able to fund themselves through creative operations so i've collected a lot of nfts on there um i've got a crypto venetian which is this really amazing project here in venice for irl minting and uh could keep going on and on but at this point i think i probably have close to 500 nfts and so it pretty much ranges across every vertical you possibly imagine
0: yeah do you feel like the the generative pfp nfts is that is that becoming a little too saturated right now or what's your opinion on that i mean yeah
1: i think it's becoming saturated but i would say that relative to DeFi summer and what we saw was kind of crazy speculative games on like absurd tokens um i think we're getting very close to sort of the the food token side of things, but I think the intent behind PFD projects is much smaller. You know, I don't think that teams are trying to overpromise anything on like a protocol side that's too crazy technically. I think they're just releasing cool art, you know, and I think that for people who are really into collecting, you know, as I mentioned in my intro, I used to love doing Pokemon cards, buying collections off people, reselling it, collecting rare cards from opening packs. It's very reminiscent of that. And so I think while broadly, we can clearly see that it's getting out of hand in terms of the sheer number of drops that are happening. I think there are Couple uh, select few projects that have done a really incredible job of allowing you to associate your identity with a digital avatar that has an on-chain asset associated with it. I don't think that that's going to go anywhere over a longer time horizon. And what we're going to see is more consolidation of financial capital into very select profile picture projects.
0: Yeah, and you know, you and I talked a little bit before about you know, is this the top? And just kind of anecdotal, you know, I had a very good friend text me last night, and he said, "What do you think of NFTs?" I know a guy who made a lot of money and I got another buddy jumping in and I just responded, you know, I own some. And then he responded, really, did you make a lot of money? How long do you plan to hold these for? And my response basically was, you know, I just buy things that I think are cool. And, you know, I think if you have an emotional attachment to whatever you're buying, uh, I think that's what you want to go for. And kind of, if someone does offer you a really good price for the NFT that you have, that emotional attachment should make it hard for you to want to sell that. And if you don't have that kind of connection to it, I mean, I think you're really just speculating and, you know, just kind of, you know, aping into an ICO in a sense. But there, I, I feel like there's also a chance that, you know, 10 years from now, all these NFTs that were created in this NFT, PFP generative boom uh, might actually be worth something if there's enough crypto adoption. But, you know, what would you say to my buddy or someone just getting into NFTs, what should they look for or what should their strategy be for entering into a purchase like that?
1: It's a great question. My first recommendation would be join a community of other people that are collecting NFTs to make better decisions. I think right now it's very easy to blindly buy something on OpenSea and have no contact of they're not as legit so spending some time immersing yourself in the community, getting to know the key players, getting to know what some of the things people look for are, you're going to have a higher likelihood of success. I mean, the reality is that speculation drives crypto adoption. And I think a big reason why the market in general is mooning so hard is that people see NFTs as a way to make a lot of money in a short term if you're very new to crypto. So I have a friend who got into crypto entirely three months ago through NFTs. He was lucky enough to mint six or seven board apes, got a really rare one, and then last week sold it for like 110 each and this person's been in crypto for three months. And I think the fact that something like that is a reality is so, so enticing to people. You know, I think it's dangerous in the sense that it's not gonna happen to everyone, but um, I'm seeing some really incredible life-changing stories happen. And so I don't think that this notion of collecting fun avatars and playing rarity games around like opening a mint, like minting something and then opening a pack or anything like that, that's not gonna go anywhere. But instead what we're gonna see is people consolidating into niche communities that are better able to identify that value. So DAOs like, Pleaser DAO, like fingerprint style, like emergent style, um, it's better ascribe value to what, what is actually here for the long term. And if we as a, as a community can provide better education to guide people in that direction, I actually don't think it's gonna be as bad as um, the ICO boom was in 2017.
0: Yeah, At, what are your thoughts on fractionalized NFTs? Do you have any investment there? And can you maybe explain for the audience, like how do fractionalized NFTs actually work
1: yeah so i'm an investor in fractional i think that they're doing a fantastic job of poking around in this medium the reality is that it's a very dangerous one from a legal side of things so people have been very hesitant to play around here um the concept of fractionalization is basically taking an nft locking it in a smart contract and then creating fungible tokens that represent ownership of that asset do so, you know, i could lock up a really valuable x copy nft create 100 tokens and the some of those 100 tokens represents 100 percent ownership over that nft so what you see is secondary markets created on AMMs like Uniswap to be able to trade the value of an NFT without trading the aggregate whole of it. And so you see a a way to ascribe value to high profile works that are more or less unattainable to the vast majority of users. Um, I think this is really fascinating for two reasons. One is the idea of multiplayer crypto is extremely exciting to me. You have things like fractional, you have things like party bid. And I think for high profile works, people want to collect them with their friends and giving them the tools to do so is extremely exciting. I think from a community building standpoint, you know, as you think about the idea of what a social token is, um, Friends with Benefits, we use a coin called FWB, but I think what we're starting to realize now is that NFTs are also a form of social tokens. And so using fractions as a way to lean into that space and create community around it. um, I'm seeing some really interesting experiments where people are holding fractions of an NFT, but that gives them enough credence to be able to make that their profile picture. And you see the expansion of this whole identity NFT narrative without them having to spend exorbitant amounts of capital to be able to participate in that conversation.
0: Wow, interesting. Yeah, I can I can see how people can be very bullish on that. It's just, just another unlock, another money Lego uh, for the crypto space. Um, all right, let's talk about the Index Co-op for a little bit. You know, Audius is uh, included in our Metaverse Index, um, and then we also have the DeFi Pulse Index as well. Uh, do you own any Index Co-op products? I own a fuck ton of index. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good to know. Well, what, you know, we try to we create indices uh, to try to make crypto investing easy. What other type of indexes would you like to see the index co op come out with or look into? Do you have any ideas for us there?
1: Yeah. I mean, a social token one is one that I've been playing around with for a long time. Um, you know, I've been a trader on SET Protocol for. Two years at this point, I was an early ambassador to the project, kind of saw Index Co-op, you start from the ground up. You know, I was really excited about the Treasury Diversification pros that you guys did. I'm an investor in STEP Protocol, so there's some exposure there. E5 Pulse is one of the first indexes that I refer to a lot of my friends looking for wider exposure. And I think over time, you know, having more diverse asset classes to participate in from a high level is going to be really exciting. And so Social Tokens is kind of the first one that comes to mind. I think a DAO index would be really fascinating just because there are simply so many DAOs now and um, they're all very different. Having some way to collectively aggregate those would be really, really exciting to me. Um, I really love the leverage trading ones that you guys are doing. You know, I think right now, LPing for, you know, the ETH Fly 2X pool on Uniswap, ETH against ETH 2X is like a crazy, crazy opportunity and position. And so across the board, I mean, I think that you guys are just making killer projects and products. And i um, the fact that there's a strong community here I think is only a testament to the idea that this is the spot to really create innovative financial products, and I think you guys are doing a fantastic job with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, appreciate that. And so I want to talk about other projects that you're looking into or that are interested in. And you talked about a lot on the, I guess, the social token and the creator side, but are there any DeFi projects that you've been looking into lately? Like what's been catching your eye in that space?
1: Admittedly, I haven't been as involved in DeFi as I used to be. You know, I think I found a really big passion in creator economies. That's where I've been spending most of my time. Um, I do a lot of governance work for Balancer. You know, I'm trying to figure out how to get paid for governance. And so what I really like right now is this sort of new wave of grants programs that's popping up across Uniswap, Compound, Aave, Balancer, where um, you take tokens out of a treasury, you give them to a highly aligned group of individuals and allow them to spend that on really cool stuff. So that's one area that, Anyone who's getting paid to do governance at all, I don't care what sector it is, is extremely, extremely fascinating to me. And uh, one that I hope is going to be, you know, bigger over time. I played a pretty big role in the Gitcoin launch not too long ago, which is DeFi adjacent. I think that that's a really cool project to help fund public goods. And then just this last week, I helped launch Superair token, which has been fun from an NFT standpoint to start to look at a governance token through more of a DeFi lens and think about, you know, the, the treasury that Super Air is going to grow how do we take a lot of the key learnings from treasury management and DeFi and instead apply that to um, a different class of users in the form of NFT artists? And so uh, maybe just to kind of summarize that answer a little bit more, I would say that DeFi adjacent things are what I'm really, really excited about. I recently took a position in a project called BPro, which I think is pretty cool. Could name a couple more tokens here that I'm excited about, but more broadly, I think that kind of answers that question.
0: Okay, Yeah, it definitely does. Um, and We're kind of running up on time, and I, I think we've kind of touched on all the questions here uh, that we had Ooh, can i show one more actually yeah absolutely yeah i really
1: love uh, ribbon finance i've been farming a lot of of my tokens there just like placing my usdc and ethan those vaults i think that they're doing a fantastic job um it's a really exciting project to me i think it's going to keep doing really well maple finance i'm really excited by you know i think it's kind of underrated right now but having you know institutionalized lending for stable coins you know in a trusted protocol is really really exciting to me so I've been parking some capital there. I'm pretty stoked about that one. And yeah, Bankless DAO is the last one I'll call out. So Bankless DAO is kind of a crossover of social tokens and DeFi. You know, I know obviously there's been some collaboration with Index Co-op with the BED Index, and uh, that's a community that I think perfectly represents how to use tokenization to better empower, you know, a Web3 native community. You know, the Bankless podcast is incredible. It's something that I'm sure everyone here is familiar with, but I highly recommend it if not. And giving that community a financial asset to go and create products like BED I think it's such a phenomenal example of where fungible tokens and social clubs can be really empowering. And so um, I highly recommend if you haven't checked it out yet, pop into the bank list now, hop on their forum and then they have a token called Bank that I'm a big, big holder of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you kind of made me when you talked about podcasts, uh, since we have a little extra time, what other podcasts do you listen to outside of Bankless? It could be uh, crypto, DeFi related or not.
1: I'm going to show one more quick visor i think is a great project i've been doing a lot of my uniswap v 3 liquidity management on there um awesome awesome tool if you haven't heard of it uh short answer is i don't listen to podcasts um it's a terrible answer i wish i could give a better one but uh i don't listen to any podcasts at all i basically only read written text but when i do get the chance to to hop on bankless is kind of one that's always been a go-to i think the defiant has a great podcast nft now for NFTs is a fantastic podcast. My friend Adam Levy is running one called Mint Now for Social Token Creators. I think that that's really, really fantastic. And uh, yeah, Music Business Podcast is pretty good on the music side of things. But um, admittedly, I have not listened to a full episode of a podcast in probably three years now.
0: Wow. Well, um, yeah, back when Twitter fleets were a thing, I would always see you would have a snapshot of a book that you're reading uh, in those Twitter fleets. So what are you reading right now? Yeah, I'm
1: really sad uh, Twitter fleets went away because I very much enjoyed posting those and talking to people that read it. So for those who did like my fleets, I do post them now on my Instagram at Koopa Troopa. They have migrated to a platform that I don't enjoy as much, but they do still live on. i um, currently reading Stoic Philosophy. I mean, this is just a great way to center my mind and feel good about the work that I do. Uh, recently, I had a friend recommend Davinci Code to me, which I just picked up. So I'm really excited about that one. And then I'm finishing up a book called Narrative Economics right now, which looks at the way in which story drives economic markets. And so, we all know exactly what that means. But I think it's fascinating to think about that as a concept and a construct to
0: help drive you know new economic markets. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for those recommendations. Um, well, I guess uh, th- that's all we have for you. Where, and just to finish off, where can people go to learn more about you, uh, Audius, and uh, the other DAOs that you're involved with?
1: Twitter. I mean, Twitter is first and foremost where I spend most of my time. I'm at Koopa Troopa on there. I have a lot of writings on uh, my mirror, koopatroopa.mirror.xyz. This is where you can learn more about DAOs, NFTs, microeconomies, all the stuff we talked on here today. Um, there's a personal website called Alias, which has all of my past writings, podcast appearances, videos, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that you can check out. And then uh, Discord. I mean, I think this is where we're all living and spending more of our time. Koopa Troopa number 9799 um in a million servers actively working on a lot you know if you have any questions about things creator economy related you want to shoot me a message i'm happy to have a conversation about it
0: yeah discord is absolutely where the magic happens in crypto and twitter uh, obviously damn right yeah well hey cooper thanks for being here with us today thanks for everyone listening live uh this is being recorded so we will upload this in about a week or so uh stay safe out there don't get wrecked and i'll see y'all next time thank you See you guys soon. Thank you so much.